And I remember when that baby was delivered and the nurse turned and handed me my son for the very first time, the first time in my life I'd ever touched anything that small. And I remember looking at my new son, and I can tell you to this day the first thought that crossed my mind. The first thought that crossed my mind was this. It will never be about me ever again. You know what I mean? It will never be about me ever again. Understand, I had enjoyed my years as a single person. Those had been wonderful years when I could go where I wanted to go and do what I wanted to please and come in whenever I wanted to come in because after all, there was nobody waiting for me at home. I really enjoyed those years when it was just Judith and I in those early years. And once again, we were kind of free to roam and do and go and do whatever we pleased. But once Jamie came and then Bethany a little bit later, I began to realize, you know, it's just not about me anymore. I can't go like I wanted to go. I can't do what I wanted to do because I have a bigger challenge in my life, a greater opportunity in my life to watch my children grow up. And it was worth knowing I'm second place, maybe third place, okay, fourth place in terms of who got what they wanted my wants and my desires were going to have to step back because taking care of my family was more important than anything that had to do with me and as I watched my children grow I also realized I had a huge responsibility to Jamie and Bethany I wanted to see them become the people that God had created them to be the way I have shared that through the years to, is to say there was a time in my life when I wanted to be a great Christian but as years went by I discovered I wanted to be the father of great Christians you know what I mean you know what I mean and if I was going to see my family become everything I wanted them to be I was going to have to know the way and go the way and show the way Here's the thing. The Bible says that what I experienced is part of God's plan for a family. God's plan is that every generation does whatever it takes to pave the way for the generation that's coming behind them. That our opportunity is to help those who come behind us be more than we could ever be. It's what most of us are committed to doing. We always want to see our kids be more than we ever were. That's especially true when it comes to the spiritual life. We want to show them what it means to walk with God, lead them into a relationship with him. I heard someone say one time that every Christian nation is always one generation away from being lost. That all it takes is for one generation to forget to say to the generation behind them, this is what it means to follow Jesus. And that generation will be lost. We will create a culture of lostness. 
It's always been true. That's why the Lord made his plan for his people so plain to Moses. The scripture we read together a while ago is part of God preparing Moses and his people as they traveled through the wilderness on their way to God's promise, the promised land. And the Lord had already told them, I'm taking you somewhere. It's going to be an incredible place. It's going to be your place. It will belong to you, but you have to be ready when you get there. And as the Lord prepared them for that time when they would make their way into the promised land, he challenged parents in a powerful way. And that's what we saw together in Deuteronomy chapter 6. They were going to have to give first-class commitment to their own faith. And they were going to need the Lord to claim what had been promised to them. And more than that, their descendants were going to need the Lord if they were going to thrive in this land to which God was leading them. That meant it was critical for every generation to make it a priority to create a spiritual legacy. Something that could be passed on from parents to children and to their children's children and to their children's children's children and for generations yet to come. Here's the thing. Everything God taught the Israelites so long ago applies to our families in our own day. Our lives and our faith are intended to be our greatest legacy. Our greatest prayer for our family should be that what we pass on to our children and to our grandchildren will be a spiritual model they can follow and pass on for generations yet to come. It makes such a difference when you have that privilege of recognizing you have been given a great legacy one of the things i have in my bible is a a huge bible concordance i mean it is huge it means a lot to me i almost never take it down off the shelf why would i use that when it's so much easier to google the bible references that i'm looking for you know what it means so much to me because it belonged to my great uncle, Jim Caldwell, who walked with God and served God and led churches and served as a director of missions and was faithful to the Lord his whole life long. And all of these years since I've inherited that, every time I look at that book, I remember I've been given a great legacy. But it's not enough to be given a legacy. We have to be committed to passing that legacy along remember what I said a while ago it's so true spiritually it's not about me it's about my children and their children and their children and the children behind them it is about becoming part of a legacy of faith that just continues flow God calls us to invest to pray for our children so that they can become everything God wants them to be remember what the Bible said just a few moments ago God said that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command you you and your son and your grandson all the days 
of your life. God's plan is that we pass on our faith from one generation to the next. In fact, the Bible makes a promise. It says this, he will be faithful as long as we are faithful. Therefore, know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations all the days of your life. God's plan is that we continue to pass it on. Deuteronomy 6 provides some concrete guidelines for you and your family. If you say, as we come to the conclusion of a series on praying for your families, if you say, you know what, if there's anything else I'm going to do, I'm going to pray for the spiritual legacy of my family, then Deuteronomy 6 gives you some guidelines of ways you can pray for your family. A few moments ago, Ron mentioned to us the opportunity you have to sign up and to go and to prayer walk the schools where our children are going to be attending in the coming year. Oh, that's such an important thing to do. When we do that, when we pray for that young generation, we are praying that God's blessings and God's guidance and God's majesty will fall from one generation to the next. So what do I do? If I'm going to pray for my family, if I'm going to pray for my legacy, how should I pray? Well, let me give you some principles, not from my mind, but from God's Word, okay? The first one is this. Pray that they will know God's truth. Deuteronomy says, now, this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess. These are the commandments, the statutes, the judgments. What is God talking about? He's talking about the Word of God. The Word of God as it was being written. Think about this. God is revealing this truth to Moses. Moses is recording it. It is uh, because part of our Bible, and it's still truth that we lean upon today. It was a passage that came from a critical time in the Hebrew people. The Lord was leading them toward the conquest of the promised land. The years to come were going to present them with enemies and trials and challenges. Their faith and their courage was going to be tested they were going to face the temptation of new sins and false gods. They needed to know, I've got something I can stand on. We still need to know that today. I've got something I can stand on in the midst of a world that teaches me falsehood, in the midst of a world that challenges me to compromise my faith, in the midst of a world that tempts me to turn another way. I need to... To know I've got something to stand on. Truth they can depend upon no matter what. So God gave them his commandments, his statutes, his judgments, his word. Reveal truth that would never change. Every day, everything we hear changes. One of the things that is amazing to me when you watch the news on television is there's something that will be on television today, and it's the most important thing in all of the world, and this is the most important headline, and this is the most critical issue we can face. But by next Monday, it's over with. It's something else. We've moved on. Nothing lasts. 
except the Word of God. The timeless Word of God. The unchanging Word of God. So the Lord gave them His Word. He showed them how to apply it to their daily lives. And the Lord wants you to pray that your legacy will be one of strong commitment to the Word is God's absolute and reliable truth. You know what you need for your children and your grandchildren to do? You need them to come into your house and there close by where they can see it will be this. God's Word. Your Bible. And they need to be able to pick it up and look at it and see how you've used your word. You know what you don't need to do? You don't need them to pick up your Bible and go, and then start to look. They need to see where you have looked at it and spent time in it and invested in it and marked it and written in it. You Wait, right on your Bible? Yes. Yes. Pass that word along. Let them know. Let them know. When you pray for those who follow behind, you pray that they will be planted in the word of God, that it will guide their steps, that it will give them convictions that will not fail, that they will find in God's word the only source of unchanging truth. And pray that in the midst of a world of shifting sands, They'll be able to build a life upon the trustworthiness of what God says. Pray that your children and their children and the children yet to come will turn to the Bible to guide their lives. It is the only foundation for truth. So God said to Moses and God says to you, for the generations yet to come, pray. Pray that they will be established in the word of God. And then God told Moses this, and pray that they will live according to God's guidance. The Lord didn't just want his people to know the truth. He wanted them to do the truth. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, a land flowing with milk. And honey. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and observe. Hear it and do it. They knew from the beginning that putting His Word into practice would bless their lives and open the way for God to keep all His promises. They needed to know that nothing is more useless than knowing the truth and not doing anything about it of being able to quote the Bible, but it's not reflected in your life. That's why Jesus was so often frustrated with the Pharisees. They knew what the Bible taught. They believed what the Bible taught. They never questioned the trustworthiness of God's Word, but they separated what they knew and believed from the way they lived out their daily lives. There was an inconsistency there that needed to be Corrected. Pray for your legacy. Pray that they will be careful and observe 
what the Bible says. Pray that their faith will be a practical faith. Pray that their faith will be an obedient faith. Pray that pleasing God will be the driving force in the choices they make. Pray those things and pray, Lord, as they live lives consistent with your word, let them experience the blessings that only come from God. There's a third principle that the Lord gave to Moses. He said this, and pray they will love the Lord with a personal love. Pray that not only will they obey God, not only will they believe God, pray that they will love God. You know, over the past nine years, I've shared a lot about myself, but here's something that you may not know about me. When I was a little boy, seven or eight years old, my granny gave me a special privilege. Out of all of her grandchildren, she chose me to be the one that could walk down to the corner store near her house and buy her Bruton's snuff. <laughs> now, for those of you who have never heard of snuff, it's this really fine, powdery tobacco stuff that folks used to stick inside their lip right there, and it would kind of come down the side of their mouth in a little while. And a lot of us had grandparents that used, in fact, I remember the, the, the stuff that I would buy for her came in this plastic water glass. Does any of y'all remember those? And she had like one of those in every room of her house, so she didn't have to walk around with it, and she could spit into it. And can you imagine being the seven-year-old boy that got to go buy that stuff? <laughs> can you imagine that the people at the store sold it to me? Because they knew who I was buying it for. Here's the thing. I was so glad to do that or anything else my granny asked me to do. You know why? It wasn't because it was my duty. It wasn't because I thought I had to make her happy. It wasn't because I was afraid of what might happen if I didn't do what she asked. Here's the thing. I was eager to please my grandmother because she always made sure I knew I was loved unconditionally. And let me tell you something. When you're a middle kid, that kind of love is like oasis in the desert. Oh, I always knew my parents loved me, but you have to understand, my parents had that oldest child, you know, the one that was perfect, and then they had the only girl, and then they had the baby boy. And sometimes when you're stuck in the middle, you don't get a lot of extra attention. You just kind of figure out early, I'm on my own in this world. Except where my granny was concerned. She always made me feel like the most special person in the world. And because I was so sure she loved me, I was willing to do anything she wanted me to do. So what's that got to do with the Bible? Well, in Deuteronomy 6, the Bible deals with the issue of what, and then it deals with the issue of why. Here's what you should do. This is how you should live. This is what you should obey. Now let me tell you why. You should do these things because God the Father loves you. 
And he has a huge desire to bless you. It was true then. It's true today. Why should people care about God's truth? Why should they want to please him? Here's what the Bible says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Let me tell you something. Nothing changes someone's heart more than realizing that God loves them. The first time you realize he cares for my soul. He cares for me. He knows my name. He knows what's going on in my life. And he is there for me. My God loves me. It'll change your heart. Not only that, nothing changes your life more than loving him in return. Because he loves me, I want to please him. Because he loves me, I want to do what makes him happy. Because he loves me, I want to live in a way that shows I have been changed by God. So when you pray for your legacy, pray that every generation will hear the story of how much God loves them. Pray that every generation will hear the story of the cross where Jesus gave his life, a perfect sacrifice for each one of us personally and individually. Pray that they will understand mercy, grace, compassion, forgiveness. Pray that every heart will beat with a love for the Savior. So when we pray for our legacy, we're not just praying, Lord, help them to obey you. What we're saying is, Lord, help them to know you. Help them to love you. Help them to understand how much you love them. Because it's love, not obligation or expectation or duty or fear that leads a heart to the Father. We hunger to please Christ because his love has changed us forever. But here's the thing, as you pray for your legacy, as you pray for your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren and generations yet to come, you pray, Lord, let them love you. Let them love you with a personal love because here's the thing. We can show them and we can tell them and we can let them see it. But everybody has to make their own decision. Everybody has to choose to love the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a personal love. And as much as you love those who come behind you, you cannot force them to trust Jesus. That's their response to a loving God. Pray, pray that they will experience the love of Jesus and love him in return. God's still not through. And he says this, and pray that you will reveal Christ through your example. Listen to what the Lord said to his people. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. I use that passage every time we dedicate a baby in this church because it's so important. 
What was God saying to Moses and to his people? He was saying, develop an instinctive faith. Whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever's going on in your life, whether you're first getting up in the morning or getting ready to go to bed at night, let your life be one that instinctively responds to the Lord. God has commanded us to live our faith in front of our families. And his plan is that you live and talk and lead in a way that makes your faith contagious. You've heard me say before, and you'll hear me say again, the most exciting thing to me as a pastor in the church when we see one of our children who comes to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord is when all I do is put a period at the end of the sentence because the sentence has been the witness, the testimony, the leadership, and the example of their, of their parents who lead them to that point when they're ready to trust the Lord. Nothing more exciting than for me to sit down with one of our kids and their parents as they tell me the story of how at their house they invited Jesus to be their Savior. God has commanded us to live out our faith. Here's the truth. You cannot pray for the generations coming behind you without asking the question, how am I doing right here, right now? How am I doing and setting the example. Lord, I pray for my kids. I want my kids to know and follow Jesus. I want my grandchildren to know and follow Jesus. I want generations to come to know and follow Jesus. Knowing and following Jesus, I want that to be the trademark of our family. That's a great prayer. As long as it's accompanied with, so Lord, right here, Right now, do what you need to do in my life. Right here, right now, let me follow you. Right here, right now, let me set the example. We're used to looking around ourselves and saying, the world around us seems to be coming apart. Everywhere you look and everything you hear, it just sounds like everything is topsy-turvy. The world is falling apart. But our children need to watch our example and say, you know, there's a lot of things going on right now, but the Lord is in control. I see that example in my parents, in my grandparents. I'm going to trust him, whatever may come. God is calling us to pray for our families, for our own spiritual influence, for his blessing over our children, for his guiding hand over husbands and wives. But today, today I challenge you, pray for your legacy. Pray for generations yet to come. Pray that when they think of you, they'll think of your faithful example. And they'll trust God. Pray for your legacy. God's called us to pray for our families. That's what we've been looking at for the last four Sundays. There's nothing more important that we can do. Whether we're talking about those who are young or whether we're talking about those who are grown, we pray for those around us, those we love the most. And the thing we pray the most is, Lord, give them a personal faith in a loving Savior.
Help them to trust you, Lord Jesus, because they see you in me. Maybe today you're here and you're not a believer. Oh, you believe about God, but you've never trusted Christ as Savior. You've never given your heart to him. But you've seen the example. You've seen the example in parents, grandparents. You've seen their walk with him, and you know that's what you want in your own life. And maybe today, when we sing our invitation hymn, that'll be the time for you to come and to simply say, I'm ready. I'm ready to give my heart to Jesus. I'm ready to trust him as my Savior. In a moment, as we sing our invitation hymn, this will be your opportunity to come, and it'll be my privilege to introduce you to the Savior. Maybe you just need to grab a mother or a father, and you need to say, come with me. Come with me. You've led me this far. Or maybe you're here today and you're recognizing, you know what, part of my prayer and my example for my family is being part of what God is doing right here at First Baptist Church. And maybe today is the day when you need to come and say, you know what, I want to plant my life. I want to plant my membership. I want to plant my family in this place. Maybe God's dealing with you about something special in your life. And today you need to make that commitment to him. Just a moment, we're going, to, we're going to stand, we're going to sing. As God speaks to your heart, you come. Let's stand together. Let's sing.